وَلَقَدْ فَتَنَّا سُلَيْمَانَ Every servant is tested. And certainly we tested Sulaiman alayhi salam. وَأَلْقَيْنَا And what was this test? That وَأَلْقَيْنَا And we put, we placed alqa yulqi ilqa To throw something, to place it. So we put ala kursiyihi upon his kursi. What is kursi? The throne of a king. So upon his throne, we placed a jasad, a body. Jasad is a body. And it can easily be understood as a lifeless body. Jasad, it was a body on his throne. And this was a test for Sulaiman salam. And when this test happened, summa then anaba, he returned. Again Sulaiman salam, he returned. Why is the word anaba used over here? Because remember, inaba is used for returning how? Marra, ba'da marra. Time after time. He's awab. Just now, he turned back to Allah. And now again, he's turning back to Allah. Now, what was the fitna? What was the test that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala put Sulaiman alayhi salam in? Before we go into the details of what that test was, remember, Dawood alayhi salam was also tested. After the test came, a higher position, a greater responsibility, greater gifts. And the same thing happened with Sulaiman salam. Whatever this test was, as a result of this test, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gave Sulaiman salam what he had not given him previously. He gave him more gifts in this world. Because the objective of the tests is to bestow more favor. Now, Again, for this particular verse, there are many Israeliyat, many Israeli traditions that are reported to understand this verse. Some have said that the fitna, the test was, and I'm just giving you one or two opinions over here, there's way too many. I spent several hours yesterday and this morning trying to figure out what exactly those stories are. It's so confusing because they're not taken from the sunnah. None of these versions are from the sunnah. They came about much later. Alright? So, some have said that the fitna was, the test was, that the kingdom of Sulaiman salam, the authority that he had, was temporarily taken away from him. How? That, وَأَلْقَيْنَا عَلَىٰ كُرْسِيِّهِ جَسَدًا Instead of Sulaiman salam being on his kursi, ruling over his people, what was on the kursi, on his throne? A jasad. What was that jasad? Some have said it was a shaitan. It was a jinn. So a jinn took control. And there are so many interesting stories. Interesting, I say, because there are things like, you know, Sulaiman had a ring, and with that ring he controlled everything. Very interesting. And that shaitan somehow got control over that ring. Have you heard of this? Okay. There's different versions. Okay. And all of them are very problematic. Very problematic. Firstly, because there's no evidence of this. Secondly, because these stories themselves are problematic. How could a jinn take over the rule of a prophet? How so? How? We have learned in the Quran that every time Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala inspires to a prophet, right? There are shayateen that oppose the prophet, that try to create hurdles. But is shaitan ever made successful? No. He's not allowed. Allah would protect His Prophet. So why would Allah not protect His Prophet Sulaiman against a shaitan? You understand? So Jasad, they said, it's referring to a shaitan. 
Some have said that the fitna over here, the test was that Sulaiman became sick. He was afflicted with some sickness. So fatanna meaning he was afflicted with some marad, with some sickness. And it was so bad that alqayna ala kursiyihi jasadan. It was as though upon his throne, Sulaiman was like a jasad, like a body. Meaning unable to do anything. He wasn't able to look after the affairs of his people. He wasn't able to do his regular work. He was just like a body upon the throne. He wasn't able to do his work. ثُمَّ anaba, Then he returned. Returned as in رَجَعَ إِلَى صِحَّتِهِ He became well again. He regained his health. Now, again, this is problematic. Why? Because this story just doesn't fit with the text. Because if that happened, it would have been mentioned in clearer terms. And besides, there is no proof for it from the sunnah. So again, we cannot say with certainty that this is what happened. There is however a hadith, which is in Bukhari and in Muslim, that tells us about a certain incident that happened in the life of Sulaiman salam. That taught him a lesson, just like Dawood learned a lesson through an experience, Sulaiman also learned a very important lesson through an experience. And that was just like Dawood a mistake happened, a minor mistake happened. Here also a very minor mistake happened. But Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala was teaching Sulaiman something very, very important. And this hadith, as I mentioned to you, it's reported in Bukhari and Muslim. One thing about this hadith I want to tell you is that the only narrator of this hadith is Abu Hurair radiallahu anhu. Meaning only one sahabi took this hadith from the Prophet ﷺ. Which means that the Prophet ﷺ must have mentioned this only once. Abu Hurairah is the only one who narrated it. But this narration ended up where? In Bukhari and Muslim. So what does it mean? There is no doubt about its authenticity. However, there are different versions. Versions in the sense that the numbers that are given in this hadith, they vary. So in one hadith, the number that is given is 70. In another version, 99 or 100. There's different versions. So the fact that narrator is one, the hadith is in Bukhari and Muslim, but there are multiple versions with multiple numbers. What does it show? The hadith was narrated in meaning. This is a very important thing that we have to understand. Because it's these things that people jump at and they say, look, contradiction in hadith, look, this is what hadith says, how could you believe in hadith? And your whole religion is corrupted. No, that is not the case. Hadith, when the scholars learnt it and passed it on, they narrated it in two ways. One was exact wordings, verbatim. Exactly as the Prophet ﷺ said it, the Sahabi, he learnt it in exactly same way, the same words, he passed it on, and they were passed on, they were passed on. Which is why sometimes we see different Sahaba narrating the same text, and there is no difference in the text whatsoever. There is no difference in the text whatsoever. Because hadith was narrated how? By the lafs. The words were narrated. Other ahadith were such that they were narrated by ma'na, by meaning. Like for example, if an incident happened, you know, one sahabi is narrating that incident in his own words. Another sahabi is narrating that incident in his own words. You understand? So later on also, the scholars of hadith who took this hadith and passed it on, how did they narrate it? With meaning. 
And when you're transmitting something in meaning, then sometimes do you add your own explanation? Yes, you do, depending on who you're telling. Alright? And some details are not that important. They're not the focus. They're not the focus, which is why there comes discrepancy then. When you compare the different narrations. So, keeping this in mind, this hadith. The Prophet ﷺ said, Sulaiman ﷺ, the son of Dawood ﷺ, he said that he would sleep with his wives. Why? In order to have children. And every single child that would be born would be a mujahid. So you understand what happened over here? And this he said to himself. Of course, he's not telling the whole world about it. So his objective for that night, for those wives, was so that he would have children that would be mujahid. Now in some versions it is said 70 wives, in some it is said 90 wives, in some it is said 100, in some it, the number is different. And when we're talking about the number, remember this, that number is not the objective. It was not important. Because if it was important, then what would happen? There would be no discrepancies, right? No contradictions. It would be just one consistent number that would be passed on. Alright? So this is why some scholars have said that it's quite possible that later on, after Abu Hurairah somebody had also heard the story from Israeliyat. And they added the number 70. Or they added the number 99. Or they added the number 100. Okay? So regardless of how many there were, Sulaiman a.s. intention was to have children who would be mujahid in the way of Allah. What happened? He didn't say, Insha'Allah. He didn't say, Insha'Allah. So the Prophet said, what happened? None of his wives got pregnant. One of them only, she bore a child that was basically a jasad. That was basically a jasad. Jasad in the sense that the child was born with many abnormalities, unable to do anything. So, alqayna ala kursiyhi jasadan. This means that the child was brought to him while he was on his kursi. The child was brought to him. It was brought to him when the child was born. Only one child, and that child was also a jasad. Sulaiman realized, even if it's my intention for something, I should realize that something can happen only by whose will? By the will of Allah. So, anaba. He turned to Allah, begging for His forgiveness. That I should have attached this to who? To your will, O Allah. For an average person, if they don't say, inshallah, if they don't remember Allah at an occasion like this, it's no big deal. But for a prophet of Allah, remember, what is expected is the best of actions. Because the status is good, therefore expectations are also high. Hasanatul Abrar Sayyatul Muqarrabin. The good deeds of the righteous are like the sins of those who are very close to Allah. Meaning what may be very good for an average person, that same action would be considered as a bad action for someone whose status is higher. So Sulaiman was taught over here. Walaqat fatanna Sulaimana wa alqayna ala kursiyhi jasadan. Summa anab. He turned to Allah. Begging Allah for forgiveness. Turning back to Allah, seeking His pardon. And again in this is a lesson. 
You know, when you're allowed to make even the smallest mistakes, it helps you stay humble. It makes you realize that all power, all perfection rests with who? Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala alone. Qala, he said, Rabbi Oh my Lord, forgive me. Wahabli. And give me the gift. Hab. Again, hiba. Give me the gift of mulkan, of a kingdom. What kind of kingdom? La yambari. That is not appropriate. That is not possible. That is not allowable. Li ahadin for anyone mimbadi after me. Inna ka antal wahab. Indeed, you are the bestower of gifts. What is Sulaiman asking for? He's asking Allah for kingdom from Allah, which is dunya, if you think about it. And he's asking for such kingdom that is not fitting for anyone else. So he's asking that give me such kingdom that is unique to me. And it's the best kingdom. Best kingdom that anyone can ever have. Any human being could attain. Remember one thing, he's not asking for the sake of having a kingdom. But rather as a miracle. This would be a miracle for Sulaiman a.s. Also remember that he was already a king. He was already a king. He wanted the best kingship a human being could have. The most power a human being could have. So he's asking Allah for the highest worldly position a human being could attain. Remember at this time, the jinn were not under his control. The wind was not in his control. He was just a king. All right? And a prophet of course. He is asking Allah for the best kingdom. So such kingdom, لا ينبغي لأحد من بعدي. لا ينبغي. What does لا ينبغي mean? It does not befit, it is not possible, it is not allowable for anyone after me. So Sulaiman salam basically he's saying, give me kingdom that only I am worthy of. Give me kingdom that will not be eclipsed by a greater kingdom after me. I want the best legacy for myself. You understand? Because what happens is that a person comes, he does something. He writes a book, for instance. 20 years later, somebody else comes and writes a book that's even better than that. So what happened? His work is forgotten. The newer book now is famous. Alright? So Imam Islam is asking, give me such kingdom that will not expire with time. Meaning whose reputation, whose success will not fade with time. Even after my death, it will not fade. In the sense that no one will attain kingship that's better than mine. And we see in a hadith that once the Prophet ﷺ, a jinn came and bothered him. And the Prophet ﷺ, he was about to you know, tie that jinn up in such a way that that jinn could be seen by people in the morning. And the Prophet ﷺ said, I remembered the dua of Sulaiman ﷺ, so I let that jinn go. Because Sulaiman was given such authority that others were not given after him. Innaka antal wahhab. Notice one thing in his dua. First that he begins with istighfar. Seeking forgiveness before asking is important. Why? Because sins become barriers between us and our objectives. Secondly, we see innaka antal wahhab. He's asking Allah for something that, you know, for an average person, it would appear impossible. But he's saying, إِنَّكَ أَنْتَ الْوَهَابِ Look at the clarity and the conviction. He knows exactly what he wants. And he's asking with so much conviction, إِنَّكَ أَنْتَ الْوَهَابِ Oh Allah, you can give it. So what happened? فَسَخَّرُنَا 
So we subjected. Lahu for him, ar-riha, the wind. The dua was accepted. And after the test was a favor. Sulaiman alayhi salam, he learned from that incident. He sought forgiveness from Allah, turned back to Allah. And he asked Allah for something unique. Was it given to him? Yes, it was. And what was that? The wind was subjected for him such that tajri bi amrihi, it would blow bi amrihi by his command. How? Rukhaan, gently. Haythu asaba, wherever he reached. Reached asaba, to reach a target. And asaba over here means he directed, he intended. Meaning wherever he wanted the wind to blow, whatever direction, the wind would blow in that direction. And how would it blow? Rukhaan. Rukhaan, ra, kha, wow, is that which is light, soft, gentle. And when it's used for wind, a gentle breeze. In Surah Al-Anbiya 81, it is mentioned, Wali Sulaiman al-Riha Asifatan. The wind is described as Asifa, fierce, violent. Over here it's described as Rukha. Apparently it's a contradiction, but is it a contradiction? No. Because the wind was forceful, it was fast, yet it was gentle. And Rukha, gentle as in when he rode on it. Because remember, this indicates that they had some form of air travel, right? Now, when you're sitting inside a plane, do you feel all that pressure and maybe in your ears a little bit? But you don't feel everything. And if you were to be outside the plane, sitting maybe on top of the plane, you couldn't sit there. Isn't it? There's such a huge difference between outside and inside. So on the outside, it's fierce. On the inside, it's so gentle, so smooth. And Rukhaan, what it's indicating is that it was gentle under him. It was gentle under him, meaning he had full control over the wind. Full control. Just like a person has full control over a horse or a massive creature, a camel. Right? Full control. shayateen, And also we subjected the devils of jinn. And remember when the word shaitan is used for jinn, generally it's referring to those jinn which are rebellious. And these shayateen were put to work. Kulla banna'in wa gawas. Kulla all banna'in master builders. Banna from the root letter is banun. Yeah, bunyan, structure. Banna is one who builds. And gawas. Gawas, gain wawsa. Ghasa yagusu, to dive. So, Shayateen were now under his control. Previously they weren't. Now Shayateen were under his control and he put the Shayateen, even the most rebellious of them, to work. And what work did they do? They built structures at his command and they also were great divers reaching the depths of waters, extracting valuables from the water for Sulaiman a.s. All this was by Allah's special favor. In Surah Al-Anbiya 82, Allah says, وَمِنَ الشَّيَاطِينِ مَنْ يَغُوصُونَ لَهُ وَيَعْمَلُونَ عَمَلًا دُونَ ذَلِكَ وَكُنَّا لَهُمْ حَافِظِينَ All of this was happening under Allah's protection. This was Allah's special favor upon Sulaiman a.s. We learned that Sulaiman a.s. he rebuilt Masjid Al-Aqsa that had previously been built by Yaqub a.s. And it wasn't just Masjid al-Aqsa, it was actually many other buildings that were built at this time, some of which exist till today. They exist till today. If you Google, you'll find a video by Sheikh Yasir Qadi where he's showing part of a building that was built during the time of Sulaiman And it's amazing how could those structures last till today because they were built by the jinn.
So, and others, meaning there were other jinns also that were under his control. But these jinn that were too rebellious, who refused to comply, then they weren't allowed to go and create fasad on the earth, harming its people. Rather, they were muqarranin. Muqarranin, plural of muqarran, qafranun. Qarana is to link up, to tie up, to join one thing with another. So muqarranin, they were bound together, meaning they were chained, fil asfad, in shackles. Asfad, plural of the word safad, iron collars or chains. So basically, the kingdom of Sulaiman was protected against any mischief. The jinn were basically put to work, and those who refused, who were too rebellious, they were chained up, fil asfad. And Allah said, هَذَا عَطَاؤُنَا We said, this is our عطاء. What is عطاء? A gift that is given as a favor. This is our favor to you. And عطاء is also used for a gift that is given for someone's ta'ah. For someone's obedience. Sulaiman as a king, he was obedient to Allah. So what happened? Allah gifted him with so many favors. هَذَا عَطَاؤُنَا فَمْنٌ So show favor from the word manna to show favor. Show favor meaning to your subjects. أو or أمسك Keep to yourself, withhold. بِغَيْرِ حِسَاب Without fear of حِسَاب Meaning you have full freedom. Just like Dhul Qarnayn was given freedom. Sulaiman was given freedom also. Notice the words, بِغَيْرِ حِسَاب You can do whatever you want. You can give, you can withhold. You can set some jinn free, you can keep them imprisoned. You do not have any hisab. Amazing. You see, when a person gets dunya, riches of this world, he has this fear. I will be asked about it. Sulaiman will not be asked about it. بِغَيْرِ hisab. Great blessings come with great responsibilities. But Sulaiman no hisab. And Allah says, وَإِنَّ And indeed, لَهُ for him عِنْدَنَا with us لَزُلْفَى Surely nearness. A close position. وَحُسْنَ مَآبْ And a good place of return. Meaning just because he was given all these favors in the world, doesn't mean that he will not have any in the hereafter. No. In the hereafter, he will have even more. Zulfa, closeness to Allah, and an excellent place of return. Ma'ab from the root letters, Hamza Wauba. So both of these stories of Dawood salam, Sulaiman salam, what's the common lesson we learn? And some words that are repeated again and again. Awab. And then, Anab. Turn back, and then again turn back. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala make us of those servants who repeatedly turn back to Him. Let's listen to the recitation of these verses. وَلَقَدْ فَتَنَّا سُلَيْمَانَ وَأَلْقَيْنَا عَلَىٰ كُرْسِيِّهِ جَسَدًا ثُمَّ أَنَابَ قَالَ رَبِّ اغْفِرْ لِي وَهَبْلِي مُلْكًا لَا يَنْبَغِي لِأَحَدٍ مِّن بَعْدِي إِنَّكَ أَنْتَ الْوَهَّابِ فَسَخَّرْنَا لَهُ الرِّيحَ تَجْرِي بِأَمْرِهِ رُخَاءً حَيْثُ أَصَابِ 
السلام علیکم و رحمۃ اللہ وبرکاتہ